Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So today we are starting a uh, brand new series called The Almighty Dollar, and uh, that means, just what you think it means, we're going to talk about money. Everybody gets a little uncomfortable when a pastor starts talking about money. He wants my money. I'll bet he wants to drive a Lexus. Nope. I'm happy in my, in my minivan. We're good. Hey, listen, I, I understand the tension that fills the room when we start talking about money. I understand there's a whole bunch of baggage that comes along with it. And I just want to say something to you, like right here, right now, up front at the beginning of this series, is that I don't want anything from you. When we talk about money, there's something I want for you. And I believe that God wants something for you. And I'm going to show it to you in his word. Because I promise you what you're going to find and what you're going to learn is that it's, it's nothing like anything that you've ever imagined. You're like, ooh, is this a name it and claim it kind of service? Are you going to do the prosperity thing? Do the thing where you tell me if I give God money, he gives me what I want. I don't believe in that. You're not going to find that here. Uh, I, I don't... I don't, I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that God is a vending machine. But I'll tell you what this message is full of. is going to be full of some truth, and you're going to get set free in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody? Amen. So, series is called The Almighty Dollar, The Power of Money, and How We Handle It. You say the power of money, Aaron. You talking about mo' money, mo' power? No, that's not what I'm trying to say there. What I'm trying to say is the, the power that money has over your life. There is a danger that it can take control over you. In fact, Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 6. It starts off with him talking about giving and being generous. And then he goes on to talk about how we ought to pray, right? And then he goes into talking about fasting. He says, when you fast, not if you fast. In other words, he knows that we're going to fast. And by the way, Simple Church, we're going to fast for 21 days starting in January. So that's going to be super exciting. Uh, and then, then he goes on to talk about money again. So he like comes back to it. And when, when Jesus or the Bible starts repeating itself, that's something that we ought to pay attention to. It's something that we ought to give weight to, right? We, we need to understand what he's talking about. He goes on and talks about, hey, you know what? Don't, don't lay up treasure here. Put it, lay it up in heaven. And then he finishes by saying and talking about money. And this is our key verse for, the, for the, this two-week series. He says, no one can serve two masters. So he talks about money like it's your boss. Like, it, like it's in charge of you and master and almost in a way that, that you're a slave to it. It says, no one can serve two masters for you'll hate one and love the other. <clears throat> you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he just goes ahead and makes it really clear what he's talking about. He says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And that's the problem today. There's a whole lot of people that want to serve God but they're enslaved to money. We talk about generosity. I don't think that Christians have a generosity problem. We have a heart that once we've encountered God's love, 
that we, that just, we're, we have this capacity to love others. We have this capacity that we didn't have before to become generous. The problem with our generosity is that we're strapped. We've, we've gotten trapped and money has become our boss. And Jesus said, listen, you can't serve God and be enslaved by money at the same time. People say, I would give if I could. I'd be generous, but I've, I've got bills to pay, Aaron. And I believe that we have a great heart, a great desire, but not the ability to give. And so the series is all about you finding freedom from the almighty dollar and flipping the script on your life back to where it is. Where it is and it's actually written on our money to a place where we declare, in God we trust. In God we trust, where he is our master, where he is our father. Because here's the problem, 1 Timothy 6 says this, people who want to get rich, in other words, they have a wrong perspective and are getting bad results in regards to their finances, and it messes with them, so they fall into temptation in a trap. In other words, my heart's in a good place, but I'm just in a bad place. And it says they fall into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And I don't want any of those things for you, and neither does God. So I want to help you get out of the trap, get out of the temptation, get out of the ruin and the destruction. He says, for the love of money. In other words, having a bad perspective or understanding of it. The love of money, not money, by the way. People get this wrong. They say, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. I don't think God's got a problem with you having money. Amen, everybody? Amen. I think it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, in other words, their whole life is focused around it, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And people end up walking away from God because of this topic. And that's not what I want for you either. This series is going to be a way to help you out, to help you get out from underneath the tyranny of the almighty dollar in your lives. So check out this verse. It expresses our proper posturing towards God and all of this. It's Luke 12 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Not where your heart is, that's where your treasure goes. Jesus is saying, hey, where your stuff is, that, that's what you've got it all pointed to, what you prioritize all that stuff towards, that, that, that's where your heart is. So in other words, I could tell you what's most important to you by looking at two things, your calendar and your checkbook. I can tell you what your priorities are in this life by looking at those two things. And Jesus says, if you love me, you need to put your stuff in that direction. In other words, he's saying, hey, grab my thoughts on all of this. Understand that wherever your stuff is, that's where your heart is. It's what you're consumed with, what you're thinking about, not the other way around. And if we love him, we've got to get this attitude. We've got to develop this attitude and perspective on these things. So I just want to help you today. And I understand that maybe you're one of those people here today that are pierced with many griefs, like the Bible says. That because we've all made financial mistakes, I know I've made plenty of them. In my youth, I took advantage of all the credit cards that were being offered to me. Come on, somebody. You know, when you turned 18 and all those offers started showing up, you're pre-approved. And I was like, I've never been pre-approved in my life. I've wanted acceptance all my life from anyone and everyone. And they've already accepted me. I didn't even ask. It was kind of nice. And I got a Discover card for $1,000. And I filled it up. And my monthly payment was only $10 a month. And I was like, I can afford that. 
you know, and all of a sudden that Chipotle burrito that I bought for, you know, six or seven dollars is now costing me $20, $25 in the end, but ah, let's get another credit card. I was pre-approved and accepted after all. And so was the cycle for me. I got credit card after credit card. Took all the opportunities because they told me I could afford the monthly payments. I got an expensive new car. Man, it was nice. But here's what happened. I got in trouble with my credit because I eventually got to a place where I could not afford the monthly payments. And that nice car that I got, well, it got repossessed. And by the time I was 23, 24, I filed bankruptcy. I'd lost it all. I had to restart. And it was from that moment forward that I decided never again. I knew my thoughts needed to be reshaped on money. I needed to get out of the trap. So what I did was I went out and found, a, found myself a job at a bank as a financial advisor. <laughs> that's my life you're laughing at. I appreciate that. But seriously, that's what I did because they were willing to train me. They were willing to teach me about investments. They taught me about savings. They taught me all these different things. And so I was desperate to learn. And so I learned about money management. I learned about investments. I learned about retirement. I learned about all these things. And I just changed my mind about how I was going to live and I pulled myself up with God's strength and his help. I had a plan and I stuck to it. So when you do this, because I know some of you, you're in the same place I was, when you pull yourself up, one of the things that's most important that you know is the numbers. Now how many of you in this room would say, Aaron, I'm not a numbers person? That's not me. You say, I'm not a numbers person, yeah. I, I, I wasn't really a numbers person either, but I learned to love my numbers. Because my numbers helped me understand where I was. My numbers helped me understand where I needed to get to, and so I had, I had a plan that helped me get there. They're really helpful. But if you don't know your numbers, you can't make any changes in your life. You, you're just not able to do that, do that. So today, I want to help you with understanding what your numbers are. If you were to sit down with me or you were to sit down with a financial advisor, these are the numbers that they would talk to you about. The first number is your earning, Right? The first numbers are your earning. And now if you have nothing to manage if you don't have a job and don't have income here. So in order to have this conversation, you've got to have a job. Young people, get a job. <laughs> Listen, I, work, I have worked since I was 11 years old. I'm 40. The most I've ever taken off was three months consecutively, and that was planned time off. Since, since I started working at age 11. Some of you are like, that's really sad. No, I've just, I, I've liked having money. I've liked being able to buy things and do things. I, 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 I moved towards and gravitated towards maturity and accepting responsibility. Nowadays, we've got kids that are 25 years old living in mom and dad's basement playing video games and they ain't never had a job at all. <laughs> Do you hear from the back of the room? Well... I like you. I don't know who you are, but I like you. <laughs> That's just my soapbox. So I'm just, you got to get a job. You got to have income. And, and listen, if you're here today and you're on some kind of disability or you're not able to, I'm not coming down on you at all. I'm just saying that if we're to have this conversation about the numbers, it starts with your income. So, so earnings a big deal and a place to start with the numbers. The second number that, that, that they'll talk to you about is your spending. Right? So this is about what you're spending. So, so you got money coming in, and then you got money going out, and that's another number that you need to understand, right? And most people spend everything that they get, though, and then they worry about how they're going to pay the bills at the end of the month. In other words, they got more, more month than they got money, you know? Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
So we need to get our arms around our spending. If you don't know how to do that, we have a financial peace group that we do here. Yep, we got these things called grow groups where we gather together around different topics. Money's one of them. And if you want to find some financial freedom, I'm telling you, there are people leading these groups that will help you take some steps. We've got a couple here at our church who have, in the last, I want to say almost last year, paid off like $30,000 in debt because they've taken these steps. I think that's just incredible. And I think, yeah, well, yeah, okay, go ahead and do that. But, but that could be you. We could be applauding you and the steps that you're taking. Got to get into a group. You say, Aaron, well, the group's coming to an end. Go ahead and jump in if, right now if you want to. Pull up our app. Get in that group. You can join at the end and then retake it in the, in the, in the, the, fall, the winter uh, semester in February. You got to get your mind right about your income and your spending. The next number they'll talk to you about is your saving. Proverbs 21, 20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. <clears throat> so the Bible says it's important to save, to not spend all that you make. You, you need to save. Because the average American, do you know how much they spend right now? 136% of their income. 136%. That's, that's a lot of money that we spend. So we have to learn how to save and save for a rainy day. You say, my God, Pastor, be more positive. I am positive. There's going to be a rainy day. You're going to need to have a savings account. And honestly, a savings account is easier than you think. You might need to say no to some things. But, but saying no is easier than you think once you get this priority. The, the next set of numbers is investing. Investing is where you're not working for your money. Your money is working for you. Money is a terrible master, but it's a great slave. And investing allows you to take that money and have it make money for you with your hands off, right? You, you're just, I'm going to put it in here, and it's going to grow for me. And that's the purpose of it. We set aside money for the emergency, that's our savings, but we set aside money in this investment account for it to grow. And here's the thing about investing. Do it now. Don't wait. Time is your friend. Time is your friend. If you do it now and you do it consistently, there's something called compounding interest that over time, small investments turn into big dollars. Do you know that the average car payment today is somewhere around $480, it's almost $500 a month for a car payment Dear Lord, that's what we're paying. But if we took that money, just, just, just the majority of it, $400 a month, and we put that into a, an investment account, you can choose any dollar you want. I just chose this one. $400 a month, instead of getting a new car, you, get, you drive the old car that you've got. You don't worry about what everybody thinks about you because they don't matter anyway, right? Like their, their opinions, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter. And you drive that car, you invest that money from age 25 to age 65. Do you know how much that money would be worth? At face value, that money is worth $200,000, right? That's what the actual dollar amount would be every month, $200,000 by the end of that 40 years. But compounding interest, if you're faithful to it, will turn that $200,000 over time investment into $5 million. I'm sorry, did you hear what I said? 200,000 into 5 million. That's a magic trick. That's pretty awesome. So do you want the new car or do you want $5 million when you retire? Which, which do you want? Start now. Start now. I love you. I'm just telling you start now. Some of you are like getting in my business, Pastor. I don't like this. <laughs> Listen, my job is to take God's word and to bring it to your house. You know what I'm saying? Right where you live. All right, here we go. Last one, giving. 
Financial planners don't often talk about giving. In fact, they'll, they'll talk about it if you've got anything left. But we know that we should be charitable. We know that we should give. The average American today gives 3%. The average Christian gives 3.8%. <clears throat> So what, and what I'm talking about is what we give away, what we have that we give away. So these are the numbers, and they're helpful. They help you understand where you're at so that you can understand what you need to work on. And you need to develop a plan, and you need to stick to it. And if you put these numbers to use, if, you, if you, your life would change, and you'd experience some financial freedom. But as Christians, we understand that we're not just living in a natural world. We live in a supernatural world, and we serve a God who has supernatural principles that make no sense to mankind. And I want to challenge you today that, that these are the natural numbers, but there are some supernatural principles that I want to share with you. In fact, Haggai 1 verse 5 says this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You need to think about what you're doing. You need to think about your financial picture and, and consider your numbers. He says, you've planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. In other words, something's missing from your life. It's just, you're just not fulfilled. He says, you drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Is that, is that not, not how a Friday paycheck feels? It's like, I got it, and where'd it go? It's like water in my hands, right? He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now listen, he just repeated what God said. Remember what I told you about when, when the Bible starts repeating itself? We need to pay attention to it like it's mom calling our name for the second time, right? Because I almost want to read that like, pay careful attention to your ways. Like there's some tension there, right? There's some like, when mom calls your name for the second time, you know you're in trouble and you know you better get up and go. You know what I'm talking about? Any young people in here, you know what I'm talking about? He's repeating himself. You need to pay careful attention. So could it be that there are supernatural principles that supersede natural principles? And I believe the answer is yes, because the Bible talks about money five times more than prayer. Jesus, half of his parables or the stories that he told were about money. This is a huge topic from the Bible. So we can't just think about it on a natural level. We have to consider the supernatural principles that are there. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.20, it says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? See, the way God does things, the world looks at it and calls it foolish. What, what, are his, what are his priorities? Everybody looks at it and says, that's dumb, man. That's never going to work. But here's the thing. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We, we only get, and here's the thing. We want to try to understand them before we do them. But the only way we get to understand God's ways is when we obey them and live them out. Then we get to understand. Then we get to see God's blessing play out. That's just the way it works. So here's some principles that we can embrace in our lives that are beyond the numbers that ultimately help you defeat the almighty dollar. So here we go. In the category of earning, the world tells you to earn money. They say it's all about the hustle. You need to make that dollars. You need to make money. We, a lot of the songs that are sung today in popular culture are about money and what you can do with money, like having ice on your wrist. I don't even know what that's all about. I took an ice cube and put it on my wrist the other day. My kids were like, Dad, that's not it. I was like, okay. I poured a glass of water on my head and stepped through a door. I said, I'm coming through dripping. And they were like, Dad, that's not what that means. I was like, all right. I don't get... 
Listen, some of the people in this room have no idea what that means. <laughs> I have teenagers. It's the only reason I understand any of that. Listen, this is just a side note. I got introduced to TikTok this week. I don't know if y'all know what that is. I pretty much lost my whole weekend on that thing. My life has been changed. I was up at 12.30 last night. Should have been asleep, but I was on TikTok going, wow, this is great. Anyway, I don't, I don't know. I'm standing up here going, and I can put it in a bun. And I can, anyway, sorry. I deleted it from my phone. It was kind of mastering me a bit, all right? So, teenagers. I don't even remember what we were doing, but we're talking about money, right? <laughs> but the world tells you to earn more. That, that, that in order to earn more, you should move away from people that you love. In order to earn more, that you should have two jobs. You should do whatever you can, even if it's possibly unethical, to earn more money. But there's a higher principle at play here, and it's your calling versus your compensation. It's your calling versus your compensation. See, how much money that you're going to make, it's never going to fulfill you. That is not going to be the answer to all your needs. Getting, getting a higher dollar... Making more money is never going to be that thing that satisfies you, figuring out why you're here on this earth. Oh, well, now that'll make a difference. See, you have a calling. You, you have a purpose here. And once you understand that, you connect with that which will fulfill you. you say, well, Aaron, will, will, will me following God, will that make me as much money? Well, maybe not. I don't know. I have no idea. But I know this, that if you follow God's plan for your life, then, then you'll understand that this life isn't all about the money that you earn and that it's all about his priorities for you. Man, that's all that's going to matter. Me, I didn't, get this, I didn't take this job for the money. <laughs> I went two and a half years without a paycheck. I didn't, take, I, I didn't get into this for money. I got into this because once I understood that God had called me to do this, Everything else I was doing was like gravel in my mouth. I don't know if you've ever had gravel in your mouth. It's not a pleasant experience. And I was making good money. I was making good money. I was making better money than I'm making now. And guess what? It didn't fulfill me. Once you connect with why you're here on this earth, you'll find fulfillment in your life. Chase the calling that is on your life, not the money that you can make. That's why we have Growth Track here. And I know I talk about Growth Track a lot, but you need to understand Growth Track is designed for you to get in there and understand God's plan and His purpose for your life, to help you discover how God has wired you and made you to specifically fit among the body that we call the body of Christ, that you belong somewhere among his people and you can make a difference in other people's lives by simply doing what comes natural to you because it's the way God wired you. I feel like I spit a whole lot when I said that. Seriously. The secret to your life is discovering why you're here on this planet, not how much you can accumulate. So join us in the growth track. It's a four-Sunday journey. We do it during second service in our conference room. It's, it's, it's go down this hall. There's a conference room on your right-hand side. It might be labeled the bridge, but that's it. Second service, our 1115 service. That means you can do this today and go there. In fact, as your pastor, by the way, if you don't have one, I'm it. Um, as your pastor, I give you permission to go ahead and skip Sunday morning service to go to Growth Track if you need to. You say, Aaron, I can only go to one. Go to that one. Go find out why you're here on this planet. It's important. Here's why. 
Because we don't just need money to live on, we need something to live for. Paul said it this way, and and you need to know that the happiest people I know are the people that are finding fulfillment by living out their purpose here on this planet. Paul said it this way, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My, My life is nothing. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He said, hey, not, nothing's as important as this. My, my life is, is, is forfeit if I don't do this. There's nothing else. Nothing else for me to do. So pursue your calling over your compensation. Second category is spending. Now you need to get a budget. Create some margins in your life. But there's a higher principle at work here. It's your contentment versus consumerism. Contentment versus consumerism. See, we, we have this tendency to want it all and we want it now, right? We, we absolutely want it. We don't care how we get it, we, we want it all. That's why we, we get in trouble with our credit cards. We, we want the newer. We want the nicer. We want, we want to start out life in the same place that mom and dad did. And mom and dad have been working on this thing for 30 years. We want a house that looks like theirs and cars that drive like theirs right from the get. And so we get ourselves into trouble with our spending. The problem is that, that we aren't content. We are simply not content with what we have. We're not content with our station in life. We're not content with what God has given us, and it's getting us in trouble. Jesus said this. He said, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. You know, the happiest people that I personally know are people who, yes, are living out their calling and their purpose, but are people that don't have two nickels to rub together. Seriously, they're happier than I am because they have nothing to worry about. They don't have stuff that owns them. They don't have stuff that they got to have a job and pay for because be, to insure and to secure. Like they, they don't have any worries. They have because they, and because they have nothing, they've got full trust and reliance on God. They're happy. I'm telling you, I've been to multiple third world, third world countries, and I meet the, these people. That, that are sleeping on dirt floors, and they got nothing, and they're happier than I am. I'm like, I need some of that. By the way, if you want to meet some of them, I would love to take you on a mission trip with us in 2020. You can sign up on our website. You can get your deposit in until December. There's still seats available. It's $100 for your deposit, and I believe we're going in July 2020. Please, please, please come with us. It'll be an incredible experience for you. But Paul said this, he said, I know what it is to be in need. And we, we all understand that, right? You've had needs in your life before, financially. Maybe it was for food. Maybe it was for clothing. Maybe it was for gas. I'm not sure. We, we've all been in need. He said, and I know what it is to have plenty. And we've all been there too, right? Well, you don't have any needs. Everything's taken care of for the time. He said, but I have learned the secret of being content. Now, I like this. I'm going to deep dive for just a quick second. This word content here, the Greek word, because your Bible's written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New. The Greek word here is a, is a word content means like independent of. And the Greeks would have used it in reference to being independent of a need for anything. It's almost atheistic in its intent, meaning that they didn't need God. But Paul's using it in a different way. He says, talking about being content, he's like, he's like well, I'm good because I have God. I'm content because I have all that I need in him. That if God doesn't give me anything else, 
I'm already good because I have him. He said, I'm content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I don't need anything else, God. You are enough. You're enough. So you know how you become content today? Realize that you're already blessed. You need to realize that you've already got enough. You could walk around your life. Many of us, we focus on the pain. We focus on the lack, the injustice. We focus on what we need and a lot of times what we want in our relationship with God. But you want to find contentment? Start walking around your life and thank God for every little thing that you've got. You'll find that that discontent dissolves in the face of gratitude. Be content. What? Get up in the morning. God, thank you for this bed that I'm laying in. Thank you, God, that I'm getting up and it's warm in this room right now. Thank you, God, for this toilet that flushes. Because let me tell you something. You go on a mission trip with me, they may not have toilets that flush. Just saying. Thank you, God, for, for the dogs. Thanks that I'm able to care for these dogs. Thanks for my kids that are just down the hall that still love me and talk to me even though they're teenagers. Right? Come on, somebody. You can start thanking God for everything. Thank you, God, for the car. Thanks for the gas that's in the car. Thanks for giving me the money to pay for the gas and pay for the car. Thanks, God, for the job that I get to drive to, the ability to earn wealth. That one in my notes, that was just free for you. If God does nothing else for you, he's already done enough, and that is a place of contentment that we need to be in because right now you are blessed. You may not have everything that you want, but you're better off than most. Let me say it this way. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. That's contentment. So let me pastor you for a minute, okay? We're entering into a holiday season where every bit of marketing and planning, they've been, they have been talking about you for a long time. And they've been talking about you, this marketing companies, about how they can manipulate you and get you to spend more money. They'll even include you on it. Man, the economy's down. We've got to have a good Black Friday and a good Cyber Monday. It means you need to spend money. And they are marketing and planning for you to spend money. They want you to spend as much as you can. They want you to spend 136% of your paycheck. And they'll, they'll 90 days, same as cash. Come on. They want you to dive in. And here's my encouragement to you as a pastor. Put up some boundaries. Well, that's a dirty word, isn't it? Put up some boundaries on your spending. Decide, this is, this is, I don't have to top last year. I'm just going to spend this dollar amount. Because this, this dollar amount's what I've got. This dollar amount is manageable. And when that money's gone, just stop. Well, well what do I do? Nothing. You're done. That's what my wife and I do. We decide every year how much money we're going to spend on Christmas. And then over 12 months, we monthly put that into a bank account. All right, here's what it's going to take over 12 months so that it's easy for us to do, easy to manage. And then we spend that. And when it's gone, we're done. You can do that too. Put up a boundary. Don't let, don't let the retailers tell you where your boundaries are. You decide where your boundaries are. Decide. So realize you're blessed. Let contentment overwhelm you. And then the area of saving, which is a good biblical principle, save for a rainy day. But there's one danger of having a savings account is that you will look to it as your security. You'll try to build up enough money to hedge you in from anything that could possibly happen. And you know what? That's just not possible. Financial security is an illusion in and of itself because money comes and money goes. You, you can't prevent every eventuality from happening. There's not enough money in the world 
to keep you safe. Now, I'm not saying don't save. I'm just saying make sure that you are God-dependent versus being independent. That the responsibility for your life is on yourself. It's not. It's in God's hands alone. So don't try to insulate yourself from every eventual possibility. I know you want to be financially secure, but there's no way to get there. So save, but don't ever think that you're financially secure. Be dependent on God for your security alone. There's a verse that says it beautifully. The wealth of the rich rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. In other words, it's a figment of their imagination, this financial security, their wealth. They imagine it, this wall that nobody can, that nobody can penetrate. Nothing ever is going to happen to me because I got money. And it's just an illusion. You can't find your security and dependence in it. <clears throat> so we have to place our hope in God alone. In fact, here's a, here's a verse that I pray often. I'll share it with you. It's Proverbs 30. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Let me say it this way. I will trust in riches. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. So we need to be God-dependent, not independent. And then in the area of investing. Investing is fun. We should absolutely do it. But there's one thing you should understand. It's stewardship versus ownership. Stewardship versus ownership. A steward manages something that belongs to someone else based on their priorities. Do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, they own it, and they tell you how to manage it. And, and, and so you are to, in order to be a faithful steward, you are to manage it with their priorities in mind. That's important that you understand that because we are not owners of anything. Everything that we have, God has given us. He is the owner of it. That's your finances, your children, your spouse. All that you have, he gave you. And he's entrusting you with it to manage it, to be a good steward of it. That means that we have to learn his priorities for it, especially for our finances. If we're going to defeat the almighty dollar in our lives, we need to understand what he wants us to do with our finances, how we are to live. Because God owns everything. I am his manager. And as stewards, you'll find that the Bible leads us to leverage all that we have for eternity. To make a difference there, not here on this earth. Jesus said this, don't store up your, for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy. In other words, don't, don't try to get money here. Your stuff, your stuff is going to come and go. You can't take it with you. He said, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That, that means in, in eternity. Do you know what kind of treasures you can have in heaven? I mean, you can be buried with your money if you want to, but it'll stay there with your rotten body. You, you don't get to take it on. No, the treasures in heaven that you get to have there are the people that you make a difference in their lives. The people who experience God through you and turn their hearts to him. Because people are the only thing that make it to eternity from this earth, guys. So our priority should be to leverage everything we have. Our home, our finances, our relationships, all of it. Say, God, you're, you're the owner of all this, and let's leverage it to make a difference, to, to make a difference in heaven, to make a difference in eternity. Jesus said this in a simple story that makes it clear. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. 
In other words, once you really figure out what matters, nothing else matters. God's priority is the only thing that you care about, and you begin to align yourself, all of you, with his priorities for you. Stewardship versus ownership. It's all his, so get his priorities in mind. And here's the last one I'll give you. Financial advisors will tell you if you've got anything left than to look at your giving, but there's a greater principle to share with you. It's generosity versus misery. You know, the opposite of a generous person is a miser. They, they keep it all for themselves. The happiest people are the most generous people in this world. In fact, you'll find that the people that have the least are the most generous with what they have because their trust is in God for their daily supply. Because what they have isn't enough. And they're like, God, I'm already trusting you. Let's go ahead and break off a piece of this loaf and share it with someone else. They're generous. Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. He might as well have said it's more fun. In fact, that word blessed means happy. You'll be happier if you, if you give. It's better to do that. If you don't know what that's like, find opportunities this week to be a blessing, just in small ways, practical ways. One of my favorites is to be in the, the drive-thru at Starbucks to pay for somebody behind me. And then you give an invite card to the cashier, to the barista, and say, hey, give this to the person. You never get to see that person. You never get to meet them. But you, you make it, uh, it's, just a small, it's, it's just a small act of generosity. So you don't understand what that means to people. I've done that in coffee lines. And, uh, and, 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 and I actually did it for somebody that was going through a coffee line. I was inside and I saw them and I said, can I pay for that person? They were a friend of our, of our family, my wife. And I tried to hide quick so they wouldn't see me, right? Because the Bible's all like, hey, don't let your le- right hand see what your left hand's doing. You know, trying to, be, trying to be sneaky. I'm a big guy. I don't move quick and I don't hide well. Thanks for laughing at me. <laughs> she saw me. She texted my wife later on, and she said, you know, I've been having a terrible day, and your husband buying me a cup of coffee just meant the world to me. Thank you. You, you never know what a small act of generosity will do. It's good for you. It's good for them. We need to live a life of generosity, generous with our time, our talents, our treasures, our giftings, our education. Listen, this is why today there's an opportunity for you not only to, to sign up and go on the mission trip with us, but you have an opportunity to sponsor a child today. We, we work with an organization called One Child. It used to be called One Child Matters. They shortened it. I don't know why, but it's called One Child now. And today as you leave, there's a table in the back. You can stop by. There are children whose profiles are there that you can look at. It's $39 a month. You say, Aaron, break that down. I, that's eight number ones with a lemonade at Chick-fil-A. See, I'm hitting some people right where they live. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Seriously, that, that, it, it's, it's a simple sacrifice, $39 a month. These kids get food. They get tutoring, which, my goodness, do you understand what education, the difference education makes in a poverty-stricken country? It makes a world of difference. They provide it with community, medical assistance. Doctors visit them, and they, they have access to that. And then they teach them about Jesus And then these kids become little grace bombs that go home to their moms and dads and they tell them about what they've learned. And that spreads and we've seen entire communities change because of a $39 a month act of generosity. You can stop by there today. All right, enough enough with the sob story. I know there's already people that are gonna move. Some of you already got like four kids and you wanna adopt them all. Like, hey, just leave some for the rest of us, all right? But you can sponsor a kid and then you can go with us on our mission trip next year and you can meet them. Oh, oh. A small act of generosity makes a huge difference. 
We need to realize that the value of our life isn't determined by how much you achieve or how much you accumulate, but by how much of your life you give away. Now, Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and these are called pastoral epistles. That's the official word for it, but it's a letter to pastors. Timothy was a pastor of his local church. He was telling him how he should be as a pastor, how he should lead. And he says to him, command them to do good. So this is, this is for me, by the way. He says, I'm supposed to command you to do good. I'm supposed to command you to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So today, guys, if you go to a restaurant, leave a big tip. Even if the service is terrible. Because that would be acting in grace. And to me, that sounds a whole lot like how God acts towards you gives you something you did not deserve. Oh, that'll preach right there. Today, be generous. Be, be generous. Find a way to love people and to, to, to impact them with your generosity. You know what will happen if you'll do this? If you'll live generously? It's the iron. I know what will happen. The world will become a, a better place. Yeah, that'll happen. But the Bible continues. That verse says, in this way, they will lay up this talking about you. If you'll do this, if you'll be generous, you'll lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you can take hold of the life that is truly life. Man, your generosity is already making such a huge difference. It's changing lives in Indonesia, Honduras, Estonia, uh, El Salvador, across this country and state through the church plants that we get to be part of financially. It's making a difference on Hamilton Road through Harmony Church that we planted and, and, and helped fund and get going. It's making a difference in downtown Columbus through the Dream Center and your, your generosity is making a difference right here in our community through the Heart Food Pantry. You're making such a huge difference. But I believe that God's calling us to higher levels of generosity, personal levels of generosity. As we look at these, all of these are God's principles. And they're not in the world's. And the world's going to look at them and say, well, those are stupid. Those are silly. Those will never work. But I'm telling you, if you'll live out God's principles, you'll live out a life that'll flip the script on the almighty dollar. And you'll start living in a way that's written on that dollar. It says, in God we trust. Because I'm here to tell you, God's way works. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that we get back to a place where we say, in you we trust. I pray today, God, that we get this right, that we get our minds right, that our priorities become your priorities, especially in the area of money. Lord, help us to pursue our calling. Help us to, con- to pursue being content where we are and with what we have. Help us find our security and our dependence in you. And Lord, I pray that, that as we get your priorities right, that we learn to leverage all that we have for heaven making the only investment that matters in this world. And I pray, God, that we grow in our generosity. Now, there are those of you here today, you need to understand that doing things God's way means starting with a relationship with God. And if you're here today and you're ready to do that, you have the opportunity to begin that relationship with him. Maybe it's, it's to say to begin it again. I'm not sure. But you can have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. You can make his priorities your priorities for your entire life, not just your finances. And here's the thing. You don't have to understand it all right now. 
you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't need to clean yourself up. You just need to come as you are. God loves you, and he's ready to welcome you. So if you're here today and you're ready to take a step of faith towards God, towards his priorities for your life, to make Jesus Lord of your life, in other words, you're going to follow his ways, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be counted on that prayer, would you just slip your hand up right now? Would you say, Aaron, that's me? That's me. I want to say yes to Jesus today. Yeah, thank you, church. Let's pray together today. Say, Jesus, I need you. Today I give you my life. Show me how to live for you. Show me your priorities. And I'll live according to them. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer today, all of heaven is having a party. Simple church, let's celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today. Come on, you can, you can celebrate better than that. Now today, if you did say yes to Jesus, here's the invitation. Take out that Connect card that's in front of you. Mark it on there. Say, I, I made a commitment. I said yes to Jesus. And while you're doing it, go ahead and mark the spot that says, I'm interested in baptism and I want to know more about getting involved because our Next Steps team will reach out to you and tell you about those. We would love to share that with you because if you've said yes to Jesus, your next step is getting baptized and we can talk to you more about that. So please make sure you take that incredible step. Uh, today, also, as on your way out, if you come prepared to give, we thank you for your faithfulness in that area. You are helping us make a huge difference. In fact, you're helping us provide 25 meals to 25 different families for Thanksgiving. And I'm going to tell you, this has been a lot of fun. We started ordering the non-perishable food, and it's showing up. We've got boxes and boxes full and uh, baskets to put together. And it's because of your generosity we were able to say yes to the Dream Center when they asked us to do that. So thank you for that. Your, your giving is making such a difference. If you want to join us, you can sign up. Uh, you can go on our website. There is a link there that you can, you can register with the Dream Center for you and your whole family can go and deliver those baskets uh, on the 23rd. They're going to do it early in the morning so that you can watch the Buckeye game at noon, all right? But, uh, but we, we would love for you to join us on the 23rd and go deliver some turkey meat or some uh, Thanksgiving um, meals to some people. Uh, quickly, I'll share with you, At the Movies is coming up in a couple weeks. We're super excited about that. It's a series that you can invite your friends to, and we would love to have you do that. Also, our Dream Team Party is December 2nd. Invitations for the Dream Team Party. If you serve on the Dream Team, in any, any capacity here in our church, you're invited to come. Invitations will be in your email inbox this week, but I wanted you to have the date, December 2nd. It's from 6 to 8 p.m. Come and join us as we celebrate you and all that you do here at Simple Church. Amen, everybody? Let me pray for you and bless you, and we'll go. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing right here. Thanks, God, for helping us get our minds right, our priorities right regarding our finances, Lord, so that we don't serve the almighty dollar, that we serve you, that we trust you. Lord, we pray that you would bless this offering as we receive it today. Help us reach more people that are far from you with every dollar. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said...